Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions about wedding etiquette follow-ups, when annual parties don't happen, asking strangers to watch your stuff, a scheduling issue that resulted in bad email etiquette, and leaving a surprise party before the guest of honor arrives. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript from Emily Post, reflecting on how she approached etiquette after almost 30 years writing about the topic. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, your extra question of the week is about a housewarming slash stock the bar party and how it really comes across. You can listen to your ads-free version of the show with its extra question by downloading it at awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. All that is coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey! Congratulations! Congratulations to you! It's our 200th episode! It's awesome. I'm excited. It's it's awesome etiquette. It's 200 episodes of awesome etiquette. <laughs> so I had two thoughts. Okay. That I would really like to share on this special occasion. Let's hear them. The first is a great big thank you to everyone out there listening to the show right now. This show is, to my mind, at its best when it functions as a friendly conversation, when we get to sit around and talk about etiquette and social situations the way you would with friends and... This conversation wouldn't be possible without the participation, the support, the contributions of everybody who listens to the show. And it would be impossible to mark an anniversary and not acknowledge that and thank everyone. We mean it when we say there's no show without you. And many of you write in talking about how we feel like old friends and like you've known us for years or you laugh at how much you interact with the audio as you're listening. And it brings us so much joy to know that that's the experience that everyone's having because we are two people and we are two people who grew up in one part of the world and we can't know everything and hold every perspective. And even when we write our etiquette books, we try to be as broad as possible, but we can't. And we can't accommodate everything. And this show gives us a chance to hear from you, add your voices, your concerns, your perspectives. And it's not just from the feedback you give us. It's from the salutes and it's from the questions that you bring to the table. And it is still 200 episodes in one of usually the most pleasant aspects of my day, parts of my day, to sit and read what it is that you all are sending to us or listening to the voicemails that we get because you are good, awesome, etiquette listeners and people out in the world. And there's so many of you and you have such wonderful concern for both yourselves and the people in your lives. And it is just, it is so encouraging to be here all together 200 episodes in. Dan, what is point number two? Well, that is sort of the transition to my point number two thought, which is I wanted to thank everyone, but I also wanted to say that you all give me hope that your attention, your interest, your curiosity, your voice, which comes through very clearly in all of those ways that people do communicate with both Lizzie and I. Sometimes it's someone who listens to the podcast who 
acknowledges that when you encounter them in on person, the street. Yes. <laughs> the the tone and nature of the conversation that's developed is to my mind what I think is the best about etiquette. The the conversation I'm talking about that we get to have here on this show. It was Lizzie and Mai's hope when we launched this podcast that we would be able to broaden and open the conversation that we have at the institute and share it with a larger audience. And I feel I feel the success of that experiment in this 200th episode and in my reflections on it. And it's really the tone of that conversation that I that I wanted to also acknowledge that it's so often about thinking about other people, investing in relationships, investing in caring about other people and doing that through looking at ourselves and the ways that we interact. And to me, that is the best part of etiquette. I think at its worst, etiquette can feel judgmental. Oh, yes. We're going to get into a little of that in the postscript. (laughs) And it doesn't feel good either when you're at the receiving end of it or when you're at the dealing end of it. Oh, good point, cousin. And the more that we get to share this conversation and have this conversation where etiquette is about caring about others, is about those core principles of consideration, respect, and honesty that we turn to so often on this show, the more I enjoy the work that I get to do, being an advocate for decency, for caring, for relationships. I wanted to thank everyone and also acknowledge the particulars of where that thanks is coming from. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank and keep you, it coming. Thank you. Keep it coming. We are so excited to be here for another 200 episodes to come. And with that, let's start our show. We should get to it. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. 
Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. Our first question is about wedding etiquette follow-ups. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. First-time question asker, long-time listener. My husband and I got married in April, and it truly exceeded all expectations. We were super on top of our thank-you notes, which were fun to write and have been checked off our list. My question is this. We had about 10 guests, including two aunts, not give gifts. While not the best etiquette to not give a gift, we want to make sure we send thank-yous to them for attending our day. The question is this. I know there is a grace period after the wedding to give a gift. We are feeling like a lot of time has passed, especially since we finished all thank you cards within three weeks of our actual wedding day. How much time is enough to send the remainder of the thank yous for attending but not mention a gift? Also, in the case of family or close friends, is there an appropriate way to check in to make sure we didn't miss a gift? Maybe it got lost, etc. without sounding like we were looking for gifts. If so, a sample script is appreciated. Another follow-up question. Several of our guests who RSVP'd no did not send a token gift. We obviously wrote notes to those who did, but for those who didn't, do I need to do anything? Is this just a case where I should let the thank you note go? I may be overthinking, but want to make sure I am doing the right thing by everyone. Thanks in advance. A new missus. A new missus. Congratulations. And congratulations on finishing those thank you notes in three weeks. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome etiquette for sure. And congratulations on finding a new twist on wedding thank you notes. This was actually a wedding thank you question that I hadn't heard you before. You hadn't heard this before. No, I, ha- I, I have heard this one before. I was going to say, I have heard this one before. And it's an interesting conundrum that um, a new Mrs. faces here because you guests have about three months after the wedding to send the wedding gift. The grace period. Exactly. It used to be up to a year. Now it's, it's kind of, we're saying three months is really what's appropriate. And then the question is, so do you have to wait to send the thank yous till after the three months have passed and maybe the three months and a week? just in case, if you want to get super technical about it, um, for shipping purposes. But it's it's kind of funny. It's like you're, you've done your thank you notes super, super early, and I think that that is really good. I'm inclined to say that you would be fine to send these thank you notes for having attended the wedding. There's nothing wrong with sending that out now and just saying thank you so much for being here. It was so wonderful. That note happens to be the indicator to the couple that you haven't received their gift. It either may remind them to send one <laughs> or it may make them say, oh my goodness, they didn't mention the you know lovely chip and dip bowl that we got them. I wonder... If they didn't get it, and now the questions can start. Oh, we were just wondering if you had if you had received the chip and dip bowl. No, we hadn't. They might circumvent and ask your mother or father or someone else in the a sister or a, another sibling in the family. Hey, can you find out if your sister actually got that chip and dip bowl that we gave her? Because uh, if not, we'd really like to make sure she gets one. Find out what happened to the item we paid for. Um, this is kind of the first clue. I had thought about answering this by saying, no, just wait the three months, give people the time to send things in. But I think that this is nice because it gets the thank you for the wedding, which is closer, 
you know, in time, I think that's a better way to go. So I vote send those notes now and it'll start the chain reaction. And it might not start the chain reaction. People might not pick up on this and think, oh, we didn't send a gift. They might just not be sending gifts. It happens. Like, just because the good etiquette is to send one doesn't mean that people do. <laughs> I like the encouragement to keep on your schedule. Yeah. And as you point out, it's well, if it hasn't come in that three months, do you wait three months in a week? Then is it three months? <laughs> right. What is it? Maybe it's a six month. Well, it used to be it was a one year grace period. So at some point you need to go ahead and send that note. And I like that idea of that note being the start of that communication that comes up later in the question. Mm-hmm. Here's my volley question <laughs> to it, you. Do it. If you sent the thank you for attending and then the gift arrived, would you send a second thank you for the gift of itself? Of course. Oh, my goodness. Of course. Because a gift arrives. And you've done the nice thing of thanking. The, this is like where I settled on definitely send the note. Mm-hmm. Send the note as soon as possible. Because, A, it could, like we said, get that conversation going. But B, the thank yous don't have to come together. I mean, it's it's great when they can because it saves the, the letter writer something, you know. But you received a gift. You don't like, you don't, just because it's later than when you sent your thank you for coming to the wedding, that doesn't like absolve you of sending the thank you note. I was also kind of thinking <laughs> the, the same thing, but I'm glad to hear your clarity of perspective <laughs> on the subject. And it, it was inspiring me to remind myself to get those wedding gifts in on time. Yeah. That it really does allow for a quicker back and forth. That grace period is really a grace period. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I want to be keeping in my mind is, oh, it's okay until three months after. Yeah. No, it's it's a grace period. You really do want to try to get, get on it as soon as possible. The final question is, what do you do about the people who chose not to attend and didn't send a gift? And you don't have to do anything. There's nothing. They didn't send a gift. They didn't go to a wedding. So there's no note. <laughs> like, it's that Thank you simple. for RSVP. Yeah, I know. Is there it... is. You don't need to do that. No, no, no. But, you know, uh, if you are sharing a bunch of albums or things um, and maybe you're sharing them privately, I might choose to include them. Some people think that then looks like, hey, look at the thing you didn't attend. But a lot of people, if they've been invited and they say, oh, we wish we could be there, but we can't. They would love seeing photos of the event. New Misses, congratulations on your nuptials and for getting those thank you notes out on time. We hope this clarifies any lingering questions. Our next question is titled, heads up, no one's invited this year. Good morning. My wife and I are regular listeners of your podcast and it has helped us expand our view of good etiquette. We find ourselves consistently discussing our own etiquette and that of others. We love what you do and find the show a big help. I was hoping you might clarify something for me. I was at a party talking with a friend when we began discussing a mutual friend's annual holiday party. I told the friend that this mutual friend did not have their holiday party this year, and she remarked that she thought she had just not been invited, which was technically true because no one was. It made me think that an awkward situation could occur if people think they are purposefully excluded when this is not the case. That got me thinking, is there an etiquette solution around this? If a person holds an annual party for multiple years and decides not to hold the party for whatever reason, should they let their friends know either formally or informally? Sincerely, James from Milwaukee. Great question, right? James, thanks for the question. And I like where it comes from this. You know, I see a potential for offense here. Is there a way to avoid this? That's the the kind of reflection, introspection that we were trying to acknowledge at the start of the show, but James illustrates so beautifully with this question. I love it. I love it. 
So my big picture thought here is that parties come and go, mm-hmm. that there is some courtesy that could be employed here, but I wouldn't want anyone to think of it as a big lift or as something that I, I have to do if I'm going to stop throwing a party. This isn't a burden you take on when you start to host an annual event that somehow you're going to have to clear the deck if you ever decide to stop having that party. So I would just say that to preface the follow-up advice, which is that informally, I think you could spread the word and it might help avoid those assumptions that often turn to the negative in the absence of other information. Mm -hmm. So the spirit of good communication would say, mention it. Talk to the people that would usually be there. Tell them to spread the word or that they're free to tell other people who might be thinking about the party or would want to attend that you're not going to have it this year. And if there is a simple, easy reason to go ahead and share that as well. Absolutely. I think that you're right. There is no sort of like hardcore etiquette rule that says you have to do this. Otherwise, people are going to be really upset. But I do think that it is something that we start to think about months in advance when there is an annual party that we like to attend or that, you know, just we know it comes up. We know we're going to receive that invitation whether or not we go. It's July, and I can think of two holiday parties that I know are going to be coming up in December. And whether or not I go, whether it just starts to be a thing. And I think in recognition of that and of that sort of event that you create that people start to expect or be curious about each year – I think it's respectful to to do exactly what Dan said, is just make the mention to a few people, have folks spread the word. And if you do run into someone, say, oh, hey, I just wanted to let you know we are not having our annual holiday party this year or our annual summer bash or whatever it is. But we're looking forward to it in the future if you are or, you know, it was time to change up plans. That's another way to get out of it if you don't want to commit to anything in the future. I remember the year that your parents didn't have their big New Year's party. Oh, yeah. No, which they I did. used they to look forward know. to every year. It was a great big party. Yeah. And definitely I appreciated knowing it wasn't happening. Yeah. Etiquette at its heart is about social expectations. And this is about playing intelligently with those social expectations that we have of each other. My mother used to warn parents about changing traditions on their children. Yes. <laughs> she used to say, particularly with kids who really start to treasure these things things that they can count on and these these cycles and traditions that really anchor them in terms of how they navigate their lives, it was a point of emphasis for her for parents to talk to kids when traditions change. And if you think of adults as big kids, we're all grown up children. (laughs) This is sort of an extension of that thinking. A final thought would be if there's any key players, people that aren't likely to hear, if you know that there's someone who really looks forward to this event, you could make a special effort to reach out to them and just say, hey, I want to touch base. This is an opportunity where I feel like I get to connect with you every year and it's not going to be happening. I also figured I'd take the moment to reach out and say hi. Something like that could go... Where have you been hiding such sample scripts, my friend? (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) I was thinking about some of the people I used to run into at your parents' New Year's party. Totally. And that (laughs) I I know that they look forward to it the same way I did. We would cross paths, and Mm -hmm. I would appreciate hearing something like that if the host weren't having that party. Absolutely. James from Milwaukee, we hope that you and your wife enjoyed this answer, and we are so glad that you both are listeners of the show. Maybe you'll start your own annual party. But what else makes a good party? It's the skill of the hosts and the skill of the guests in making the party fun for everyone. Our next question is a shoreside etiquette stumper. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. 
First, thank you so much for the show. I've been listening from the very beginning, and I love hearing your fresh take on everyday etiquette. I'm a bit of an etiquette nerd, so it goes without saying that yours is my favorite podcast. Here's my question. My fiancé and I went on a day trip to the beach the other day, and after laying out for a bit, decided to get a bite to eat on the boardwalk. We didn't want to lug around our towels and chairs, so we asked a family who was sitting nearby if they would keep an eye on our things. We weren't leaving anything valuable, and we brought our bag with us. As we were finishing up lunch, my fiancé wondered if there might be some etiquette protocol about asking a stranger to watch your things. I was stumped. He's not a listener. Yet, I'm working on it. (laughs) But he suggested asking you both. Thanks so much. Shoreside stump. So wait, he doesn't listen, but he wants the etiquette answers. No, I'm just teasing. There's a price of admission here. <laughs> yeah, get him to download an episode. <laughs> That's great. I'm loving all of the couples, and we've heard of a lot of like uh, mother son or mother daughter teams, like you know, a lot of families and, and mixed generations who listen to the show, talk about the show. I really love hearing it when when you all write in or when you call in. This is one of those really interesting public space, group shared, comfort level, am I intruding, am I not? This is kind of a funky area of etiquette. I remember one time, you know, very common at the airport as well, where it's, I'm just going to run to the restroom. Do you mind watching my bag for a moment? Now, technically, the TSA makes announcements that you're not supposed to do that with anyone. (laughs) But I've seen it happen a bunch. I've been someone who's done it. And both in in both cases, like, let's be really honest here. And I've also had the experience of coming back and finding my bags unattended by the person because they had to go to their flight. And I would never have expected them to sit there and wait with my bag. And so I love the idea that we're getting at, you know, is it even appropriate to ask? And what's the level of responsibility someone actually has once they say yes to this? And I think it's a pretty low level, personally. I think you stop someone if someone who's not the person who asked you, like, says uh, or is looking through that bag. But and it feels like that's taken into consideration here. Yeah. This, I, I took my bag with me. Yep. We didn't leave anything valuable, valuable. I, anything that would be too much to lose. Right. It's not, would you watch my daughter for me? Right. <laughs> or here, I'm going to leave you my wallet. Right. <laughs> um, I, I, I like the way you're thinking about it. There's this gray, this sort of delicious gray area in terms of how you interact with strangers. One of my first thoughts was that it's oftentimes easier if there's been a little bit of an interaction, an acknowledgement of each other, so that the the first yes. thing isn't the asking for a favor, but it's a smile, some eye contact, maybe even a hello. We've been sitting there next to each other Is for the a seat minute. Taken uh, just anything you're right makes just broaching that kind of stranger barrier a little bit more comfortable. And as that barrier starts to break down a little bit, I think it allows for the possibility. For a little favor. Again, if it's not a burden on someone, yeah. I think that it's not necessarily awkward or difficult or strange. In fact, it makes life easier if we can all take care of each other a little bit. So I don't think that asking is a bad thing at all. I don't. I don't think it's rude. I think it's it's fairly common in our kind of more tribal experience of shared public spaces. But I do want to encourage folks to speak up if it's not a good moment to watch someone's stuff. If you're about to leave 
Or if you really just don't feel comfortable because, you know, you're paying attention to your kids or your pet or something like that, that's, you know, you just don't want to be responsible for that for someone else. It's okay to decline it. It is okay to say, you know, I'm actually not comfortable with that or I'm leaving. I wouldn't be the best person to ask right now is another great like way to way to not be too offensive with it. I think that being prepared to hear that no is definitely one of the things I'd want in mind yes. before I asked. I think that – and it doesn't need to be a big deal. It doesn't need to be overdone. But some things that I'd want to hit very quickly in my ask are, will you be here for a minute? Would you mind or would you be OK watching – so that you give them that out if they want to take it. I like it. I'm just going to run to the bathroom over there. I'll be back in a second. I'm going to run up to the boardwalk and get a cool beverage. I'm going to be back in just a second. Give the person who you're asking some sense of what it is exactly that you're asking for. And again, it doesn't need to be as long as my answer to this question is becoming. It doesn't need to be, well, I plan to be gone for about this amount of time. and But would you mind? Are you going to be here? And what you're doing, I think, would be three points that I would hit quite quickly to make it easier for someone else to say no. And then I'm also thinking about thanking them generously, genuinely on the return. Absolutely. Shoreside Stumped, we hope that helps and that you enjoy a very comfortable, relaxing time at the beach for the rest of the summer. We help to make our meetings with other people courteous by using such words as please. On the other hand, thank you is a simple way to repay those who do things for you. Our next question is titled, Two Mistakes, One Etiquette Answer. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I've been a casual listener of your podcast for almost a year. I feel as though your positivity permeates into my life, even if the situations you talk about don't always apply to me. I do have a predicament, though. I am a regular volunteer at my church. One of my pre-assigned weekends, I am unable to volunteer. So I used the scheduling website to block off the dates on my calendar, not knowing that this is no longer how they prefer to hear that we volunteers are unable to volunteer. I feel terrible because I thought I had given them ample notice, but because of my mistake in using the website, they didn't find out about my scheduling conflict until the week of the conflict. I hadn't yet responded to the email where my mistake was corrected when the same day I received not one, but five emails all asking me to volunteer the next weekend instead. They were all different emails with subjects like hey or question and virtually no consideration or respect or complete sentences for that matter. The emails all came within four hours of each other, including the one where my faux pas was discussed. Some were just to me, some were to all the volunteers in my same role, and some were just to a random group of volunteers in my role. I received them all while I was home and done responding to emails for the day, though I did see them come in on my phone. They are all from the same person, a staff member, not a volunteer, and all felt less than pleasant. The person is of an age where I would assume she knows proper etiquette for digital communication and has been in many jobs where email would have been the primary form of communication. So I don't think it's a case of not understanding digital communications. 
Part of me wants to just let it go, but I feel that it needs to be addressed. If this is how she treats all of her volunteers, or even some more than just me, I would assume most of them feel the frustration that I now feel. My question is, how do I address this? My gut reaction is far too snarky, I'm sure. And I'm not sure who I address. Her? Her boss? Both? I feel that this behavior is far from professional, and though I am just a volunteer of hers, I would like to be treated with the same consideration, respect, and honesty that I try to show her. I also don't want to sound like I'm just pointing out her faults in an effort to cover up my scheduling mistake. I want to address my mistake as well as her communication skills. Please help. Any advice would be wonderful. Most sincerely, Alyssa. Alyssa, thank you for this question. A couple personal reflections before we dive into the answer. (laughs) What have you got? One, I just so sympathize. I I was in the exact same situation about a month ago where I had volunteered to do something at the church. And the week before, I found myself calling and saying, we're not going to be here. We can't do this. Is there anyone else who can do it? But just that, that moment of realization that you've offered to do something, feeling accountable for it, but also being close enough to it where you know you're putting a burden on someone else to fill your spot. And- It doesn't leave you feeling good, and I can so sympathize with how if I felt like my apology wasn't well-received or if it had been a burden on that person and they were – I felt like making an effort to communicate that burden to me maybe make me feel a little worse, oh, that would just get at me. And you want someone to receive that well because you already feel bad enough yourself. Well, and I think part of what's going on here too is that Alyssa used the system she thought was the proper system and – I think more than what you're describing, what she's feeling is that lack of someone understanding the mistake that she made and being reasonable about it. And that would that would just rankle me because I would be like, listen, but I actually told you a month like this isn't the situation where you call up last minute to say you can't do it. This is a situation where she tried to let them know well in advance, and because of the method used, which she takes responsibility for, it's all fallen apart, and she's getting no consideration from the other person, no understanding, no sympathy, no sense of, I get it that this is how this has happened. And I I don't know what to say. Sometimes that's a personality thing, and sometimes that that is a um, experience thing. And Alyssa's looking at the experience of the staff member and saying, boy, your experience is such that this this should not be happening this way. And the etiquette question here that I really wanted my cousin Dan to, to answer because I think you do so well on, on the business side of things in balancing both dealing with something appropriately with management, which I think in this case there's actually some warranting for, and dealing directly with the person as a form of consideration, respect, and honesty so that you're not just jumping over someone's head and, you know, I hate the phrase, but tattling. You know, it's it, – and I like the the recognition here of I had a part in this too. That's why this is all difficult but I also really don't appreciate how it was then handled. And I think that's the nature of the conversation that you want to start having. But who do you think she should have this with? My instinct is to talk to the person. Yeah. And I think you could go two ways there. You could say, I'm going to say something. And you got to find a bit of a balance because there are two things going on. There's the check-in, I'm so sorry about the scheduling Mm -hmm. confusion. And that might be a perfect entree into a – But I also wanted to touch base. After that happened, I received a series of emails that didn't leave me feeling very good. 
and talking about what that is and th- those when you I feel statements mm-hmm. so you're not blaming or accusing someone for what they're doing but you're you're letting them know how you perceived it and they might have just been thinking I'm firing off a series of emails I'm trying to get some positions some slots filled and this person I was recently talking to I think they'd be interested so I'm I'm m- my brevity is received as me being short mm-hmm. I'd want to know that mm-hmm. and and I think you could introduce it in a spirit that that isn't blaming or accusing if it feels hard to disconnect those two thoughts. I think you could also just be patient. You could wait. You could look for an opportunity that comes up later on to have this conversation when the question of you missing your, your schedule time or your scheduling being off isn't so connected to the follow-up. <laughs> or to like the frustration of them having to – like. Essentially, in this moment of the emails coming in and everything, the stress of the staffer is at high level mm-hmm. because they're realizing their volunteer isn't here or going to be here and it's short notice. And they're frustrated probably because of exactly the reason that Alyssa wants them to understand, which is it was technically up there, but we don't use that system. And so I wouldn't have known. And they're dealing with that mess of frustration. And it, it might not be the best time to be receiving criticism or receiving feedback on something. And I I like the idea of separating out because I have a really hard time when people do an apology that Mm -hmm. then is followed with the word but or but actually Mm -hmm. or and I also wanted to. And I think that being able to focus on, you know, Alyssa being able to say in the moment to that staffer, if we're going for the direct confrontation, I am so sorry. Had I known I would have used the the proper thing, I can see – drop in all the sympathy you can. I can see how frustrating this must have been for you and how all of a sudden you're then in a position of having to rearrange everything. You're aware that I've made my plans long in advance now even though the communication of that didn't happen the proper way. And you know I'm not going to change the plan. So it's I can just imagine the state that it put you in and I'm so sorry for that. Let the staffer then respond to that and and let that be a part of the conversation and then say the other part of this that I I would like to address just so that in the future, hopefully it can be an easier, less stressful experience for both of us is the response. If something like this ever happens, please pick up the phone and call because email, it's so easy to read things in such negative tones, even when they aren't intended that way. And I ended up receiving a number of emails that just made me feel like the worst person on earth when I had been trying to be responsible about this. And I would love to talk about that if we could. And that might be a a way to go through that. You can hear the hesitation in my voice. Dan's over there wincing left, right, and center, just so you know. I don't mean to wince. I really... No, but it is. It's a difficult conversation. It's going to take some working through it. But that also might be the the part of the conversation that gets talked about with a boss or something like that. I think the apology directly is something that does need to happen. Mm-hmm. I really like your reminder to be prepared to listen as part of that conversation that that's going to yeah. provide the space, the space for that conversation to happen well. And it might be that the other person says the things that you were wanting to say yeah, <laughs> and that they true. don't end up needing <laughs> to be said. I think that, that that reminder to listen is a really 
good one in any difficult conversation. I hadn't thought about the possibility that when you listen to that, you might actually get the kind of, I don't want to say like comfort, but the kind of conversation you wish those emails had been instead of the conversation they turned out to be. And that you might get the, I'm sorry, too. I was so frustrated and I just fired all this stuff off. I think that's really great, Dan. I hadn't actually anticipated that. Being ready to hear that could be a big part of that conversation. I also like the way you're acknowledging that that frustration that you're perceiving and sort of felt directed at you or maybe felt directed at you might be a real thing. And in this moment, someone might not be ready to be so generous in terms of how they approach it. If you did want to take that let's call it the patient approach, it doesn't mean that you're waiting to pounce. It doesn't mean that you hold this in reserve and that you're just waiting for that moment to attack someone. Approach it with a spirit of patience. This isn't the right time to bring it up. I'm going to let this relationship continue. And if this continues to be something, I'll I'll find the right moment to talk about it later on. And that's going to make it easier to actually address the situation Mm -hmm. and, and help help improve it in a way that benefits both the two of you and the whole organization, which is something that you've mentioned here. And I think it's an an appropriate concern. And then if it ends up needing to be something that is escalated, if there is a real problem with this communication that's negatively impacting the organization, maybe there is someone else who's going to be the more appropriate person to have that conversation, the boss, the supervisor, the superior. That could go two ways too, the, the, the waiting. It could be that it's your not letting it go that makes it something that you decide is enough to talk about. Sometimes it takes a few days to let some bad emails just brush off your shoulder and not worry about them anymore. Um, Some interpersonal interaction with the person and then all of a sudden it's just not as big a deal, those emails. Other times it might be that you're waiting and you're seeing the behavior continue and that's why you want to address it. And either one of those two things is okay. They're both reasons to choose to address something in a work environment. Okay, because there's one thing we haven't talked about. Oh, yeah? I want to hear the snarky answer. (laughs) I kind of want to, too. I'd be so curious to to hear what that voice sounds like. Sometimes giving yourself permission to say it is enough to... Just feel good about having said it out to the world. like Or to identify it as, I'm not going to say that. And find that that one etiquette answer. that sound as bad as I think it does out loud. (laughs) Venting is a good thing sometimes, but keep it contained. (laughs) Alyssa, thank you for this question. Clearly, there is a lot of etiquette material to mine here. Now, young lady, where is that contract? On the desk? Impossible. See, it's not there. Maybe you filed it in the wastebasket. This is outrageous. If that contract isn't in the mail before o'clock, this concern will lose the biggest order it ever had. Well, that's better. Must have gotten mixed up. Our final question today is titled, Surprise! We left. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. Longtime listener here and a big fan. Your show is on the top of my podcast list and the first one I listen to when it comes up. I had a bit of an awkward situation come up this evening, and I'd love your thoughts on it. I can't imagine this particular set of circumstances coming up again for me personally, but maybe we could save some other hapless party-goer sometime. I was invited to a friend's surprise birthday party via my relatives. I have a three-year-old daughter, and as the party was a casual affair, I was planning to do a drop-by for a short while, since it really wasn't a party intended for children and getting a bit late for our schedule. I'm sure you know how it is with little ones and bedtime. (laughs) All well and good. We showed up for a few minutes after the party had set to start. And then the hitch. This friend is notoriously late. Oh, no. And in fact, had not even left her home an hour away when we arrived. Of course, she had no idea there was a party in her honor waiting for her, and I think she would have been more prompt had she known. 
Anyway, my daughter and I stayed and said hi, had a snack, walked around, and did all the usual party things. After 45 minutes, my daughter was getting fidgety and ready to go. I didn't know what to do. I felt badly about leaving before the guest of honor arrived, but I felt that staying until she arrived, saying hi, and immediately leaving would have made her feel badly too, highlighting her tardiness. In the end, we sang happy birthday into a video on my dad's phone and took off before the birthday girl arrived. Of course, we said our goodbyes to the host and hostess and thanked them for the nice time. They have adult kids, so they understand how toddlers can be. Did I do the right thing? I was trying to keep your core concepts of consideration, respect, and honesty in mind, but I felt conflicted. I would really appreciate any thoughts or advice you could offer. Thanks, party pooper. I do not think this is party pooper. I think you have to re-self-identify because, oh my goodness, you are in such good stead, it's ridiculous. Rest easy. Yes. I think you handled this wonderfully, both with your intention about how you were going to participate in the party from the beginning, and then the fact that you stayed as long as you did. I mean, the point when I heard that she was going to be driving and it was only just leaving the house and was going to be an hour until the guest of honor arrived, that would just been the point where I would have said, okay, and I would have done exactly what she did, record the birthday greeting with someone who could play it for them or send it to her after you know that she's arrived at the party because we're doing a surprise party. But I think what you did is perfectly appropriate. And I have not that I think that that it's good to expect people's behaviors to change too, too much, but I have known people who enough of this happening to them and they start realizing that being late is really an impact on them getting to spend time with the people that they had planned on spending time with. I think you did absolutely the right thing. Me too. (laughs) I was thinking about this question. My first thought was parental dispensation. Yeah, totally. Every time. (laughs) If it's bedtime or after food time or too late for nap time, that potential meltdown is something that you want to avoid, not just for your sake and your child's sake, but the sake of the other guests at the party. Nobody wants to be a guest at a party with a bunch of children melting down. That is not a good situation. It's a a perfect example of consideration, both for yourself and your daughter, but also for the other guests and the guest of honor and the host. And those are all of the people that would be on my checklist if I was doing my etiquette consideration. Who are the major players involved? How are they affected? And I loved your touching base with the guest of honor with the happy birthday sung into the phone. I also love your touching base with the host of the party. You've now shown consideration for yourself, your daughter, the other guests, the host, the guest of honor. Etiquette gold stars all around. Well done. Party pooper who we do not believe is a party pooper. Thank you so much for your question and for being another person out there exhibiting awesome etiquette. Have you ever had a surprise? You have? Well, Jean is going to have a surprise today. It's a very special day. Thank you for your questions, and please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, or you can leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also find us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want your question or feedback on the show. And sustaining members, please remember to put sustaining member in your question. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. This first piece of feedback came from an old friend via our answering machine. 
Yes, this is Christina from the Gatherings podcast, who actually has come up to Vermont, and I've gotten to spend a little downtown Burlington time with her. And it was really cool to hear her voice. This question is about the couple who felt like taking out the trash for their very generous neighbor was, well, a bit insulting. And Christina would like to share some thoughts about ways to make it feel less insulting and how to have successful house-watcher relationships. I'm calling because I just listened to the episode where you talked about somebody who lives across the hall from somebody who travels for work a lot and asks them to take out the trash when they are gone for work. And I just wanted to call and comment on this because it's super close to home. So I used to travel for work like four days a week, Monday to Thursday, and trash night was Tuesday. And if I wasn't there to take out the trash, it wouldn't get taken out. So for the first probably three years of my career, I had different people situated around the city who had keys, and I rotated asking them to take out my trash, and I really, really appreciated it because there was no other way to get the trash taken out. So I did want to offer a few suggestions to the lovely lady who asked the question. So my first thing is that they totally mentioned the mail and the plants and taking care of things, but I wasn't sure if the woman was also asking them to do that or if they were just doing that on their own accord. And if they were doing it on their own accord, maybe the reason this particular thing feels so stressing is because they're doing so many things already. So maybe you can just do the specific things that you're being asked. The second is that maybe it's the logistics of it that are the problem. So if you could ask the friend to take all the trash and put it in a singular bag and put it right next to the door, that it would be a much easier ask. So you might just be able to facilitate it better. And then lastly, I always used to give the people who helped me take out the trash a Christmas gift. And so if it hasn't been a whole year yet or a holiday season hasn't passed, maybe there's thanks coming. And I can assure you that if she does travel for work and there's no other way to take out the trash, that she definitely appreciates it. So that's all. Thank you so much for a great show. I'm excited to have actually called for the first time. I've been listening for a while, and I hope you guys have a great week. I love Christina's idea about thinking more broadly about this. Like, are you doing extra things that then make one of the tasks you're being asked to do that's a really less than desirable task? Is it is that like making you feel you know, too much. Can you can you lessen that on your end so that this taking out of the trash doesn't seem like an extra beyond or kind of like the dirty work? I still maintain from that answer personally. Like, that's one that I still think about. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't think that if she's gone for weeks at a time that there's a whole lot of trash that's accumulating beyond that first bag. And so that to me is like the the question, the, the the crux of that question. But what I love is that Christine is also leaving uh, open the idea that there may be a thank you coming down the line at the holidays. I like that too. And that's something we often forget. And you don't want to count on it. You don't want to expect it. But just don't be surprised if it does show up at some point. I think these folks um, wound up, they, they, they bought the place across the hall. And so there's a good chance that you are going to have a long relationship for a long time to come. And it sure is nice when you have good relationships with those neighbors. So it's definitely worth broadening and and giving each other that latitude. I am so excited about this next piece of feedback. I can't even tell you. This is like etiquette working. This feedback begins. Hi again. Thanks so much for answering my question about hosting for food restrictions on episode 185. I have a follow-up. 
After I heard your response, I reached out to the lady with the restrictions. She told me some things we could get for her for our next gathering and pointed me to a health food store in the area, which I was unaware of, that carries gluten-free, dairy-free foods. Furthermore, she mentioned that a few of the ladies in the group are also pre-diabetic, something I was also not aware of, and gave me some suggestions for things they could eat. Overall, I have an ally. I'm so glad I asked her, rather than continuing to guess and feel frustrated that my efforts were in vain. Thanks for all you do to make the world a kinder, more caring, and less confused place. What an etiquette win. I mean, that's just awesome. It goes from being that person who you feel like you disappointed and you feel like they're judging you wrongly for you disappointing them and you feel bad about it, but you also feel like aggrieved about it. And it turns into someone who's helping you make this experience for these church dinners better for everyone. Can I be just a little bit hokey? Yeah. Look at me. I'm geeking out here. From... Yeah to yeah. Yeah. From yeah to yeah. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for writing in and sharing this feedback. We couldn't be happier, and we hope that you and your church group have wonderful dinners in the future. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next comment, update, or piece of feedback to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. And now it's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's postscript is fitting for our 200th episode. It is about... I thought so. It's the true meaning of etiquette from Emily Post's Etiquette, the Blue Book of Social Usage, the 1950 edition. And Dan has read the the 1922 edition. When I first brought this up, he said, oh, yes, there's that section about such and such. I said, no, that's the first edition you're thinking of. I'm talking about the 1950 edition, which is 28 years in to when she's been working on etiquette. So Emily's been doing this now for 28 years. And I thought it was kind of interesting 200 episodes in to reflect upon, you know, where she was and and where we are. And we sort of did that in the beginning of our our podcast episode today. But I like hearing Emily talk in in 1950 about what etiquette is and what it means and, and what the purpose of this book is. She begins on the jacket cover, which reads, To my readers. I have completely rewritten this new edition of Etiquette because the problems of modern life demand certain changes in the forms of living. All of the fundamental principles, of course, have been left untouched. I have omitted certain non-essential customs and old-fashioned ideas, and I have added much new material in the hope that this book will continue to be as useful in its many years to come as the old editions have been in the past. Dan, I feel like that, it's wonderful. It's on a a jacket that's kind of an old-timey jacket, and it's like the blue book of social usage. It has that kind of throwback feel to it. But this sentiment, I feel like, carries through with every edition that we put out, including the 19th. I like to tell audiences that I'm talking to, and I remind myself that the tradition of evolving the book etiquette wasn't something that began when Emily handed off the tradition. It was something that she began herself as the book went through many editions in her own lifetime. She really blazed the trail for thinking about how 
you balance contemporary etiquette by having an awareness of tradition but also thinking about core principles and about how those traditions change and evolve as the world changes and evolves. Oh, I just love it. Okay. Our quote today begins on page three, and it it kind of bounces back and forth. Otherwise, it would have been quite a long reading. (laughs) Emily begins. It is hard to say why the word etiquette is so inevitably considered merely a synonym for the word correct, as though it were no more than the fixed answer to a sum in arithmetic. In fact, it might be well to pull the word correct out by the roots and substitute common sense. In short, I wish that those whose minds are focused on precise obedience to every precept would ask themselves, what is the purpose of this rule? Does it help to make life pleasanter? Does it make the social machinery run more smoothly? Does it add to beauty? Is it essential to the code of good taste or to ethics? If it serves any of these purposes, it is a rule to be cherished. But if it serves no helpful purpose, it is certainly not worth taking very seriously. She continues, The real point to be made is that rules of etiquette have not been contrived in order to make those who know them seem important, and to make those who happen not to know them miserably chagrined. Actually, the so-called rules are nothing but the findings of long experience handed down for reasons of practical use. This does not mean that the principles of good taste, or of beauty, or of consideration for the rights or feelings of others can be discarded ever. As a matter of fact, good taste is necessarily helpful. It must be the suitable thing, the comfortable thing, the useful thing for the occasion, place, and the time, or it is not in good taste. Decency means not merely propriety of speech and conduct, but honesty and trustworthiness in every obligation. Integrity includes not only honesty, but a delicacy of motive and of fairness in judging the motives of others. I love how impactful her words are, and I love that they are words in my mind to be cherished today. I think Emily was a remarkable writer. She, she as was. you say, took great care with how she wrote, how she constructed a sentence, how she built a sentence, the words that she used. I and love that she used exclamation points liberally. <laughs> like... <laughs> I can feel her in her morning writing sessions, sitting in her bed, thinking about these things and really challenging herself to think about the purpose of what she was writing as well as the the minutia, the small details that I think many people expected of her and her consistent efforts to to share that that broader perspective that really motivated and drove her. We really hope that that you, too, appreciate the perspective and the motivation that Emily had. And 
I once again want to come back to where we started the show by saying thank you, because the sentiment that Emily exhibits here is really one that I feel our audience embracing, that it, I, I see fewer and fewer questions demanding rules and specifics and, and holding others' feet to the fire. And I see a lot more in the realm of self-reflection and anticipating problems before they happen and thinking about consideration as a, as a practice of thought in your brain on a regular, hey, I'm not in this situation, but if I were, what would be the right thing? And I think that the power of that is just something incredibly beautiful and incredibly strong. And it's something that every single person is capable of. And in that spirit, we like to end our show on a high note. And we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world. And that can come in so many forms. Today, we hear from Lindsay. Dear Dan and Lizzie, I'd like to give an etiquette salute to my Aunt Stephanie. A few weeks back, she wrote in with an etiquette salute about me, which was so touching and meaningful in a somewhat stressful time in my life. I'm adjusting to life out of grad school, a new job, and a new city. And her kind words put a smile on my face when I was least expecting it. It was the best kind of surprise. My aunt is the master of the thank you card, of remembering birthdays and important life events, and is always the first to make time for sending a text, email, or handwritten note of encouragement. Her mindfulness and dedication to consideration, respect, and honesty rub off on many members of our family, and we are all lucky to know her. Thank you for an amazing podcast and all that you and the entire Emily Post Institute family do to make the world a more thoughtful place. Have a wonderful day, Lindsay. A pall of mirrors of good etiquette and thanks. And it is that encouragement that people are really out there caring for each other in the world that is so nice. Thank you, Lindsay. And thank you, Stephanie. And thank you for listening and for participating. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. And I'm Daniel underscore Post. On Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette as well as the Emily Post Institute. You can continue to help us out by becoming a sustaining member by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com or subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thank you, Chris. Chris.